Hi friends, my name is Stephanie Sparks and I am excited to consider these passages from our lectionary readings with you this week. Now I'm always intrigued at the verses that the lectionary skips over in the passages that are assigned. You can't see my use of air quotes, but I totally did them. You know, the passages that are assigned for a given week or a day, because I wrestle with feeling like I'm plucking out only the ones that fit a narrative that I'm trying to communicate. But then after reading them, those passages and verses that are left out, sometimes I'm really thankful they've been left out because they can be tough. I am a big fan of reading scripture in context. And the more I try to do just that, the more I realize how very little I know and how deep and vast and rich the scriptures are for us. Whether it's reading a familiar passage and having something new jump out for the first time, or it's realizing I actually had no idea what the author was saying in the first place, or when I'm open to it, listening to the Holy Spirit teach and guide me as I read and digest the words and recognize the specific ways they interact with my life at a given moment. We're always changed when we approach the scriptures. All of these passages this week involve, or seem to involve, someone from the outside receiving an equal blessing as those who are on the inside. Again, I used air quotes. You couldn't see them, but I did it. A common thread throughout this week's scriptures are who's included. At first reading, it seems the hope of salvation is only thanks to other people who've rejected it. It involves an us versus them, right versus wrong, who deserves it versus who gets it even though they don't deserve it. And the underlying reminder, at least that stands out for me, is within the verses that are skipped over in Romans 11. It's full of us versus them and they did, we did language that I'm not going to pretend doesn't make me uncomfortable to read myself, let alone out loud. But there's a reminder in the midst of it that we're connected. And this connection reminder, it echoes the invitation and welcome of Jacob's brothers that we read about in Genesis 45, the words of unity from the Psalter in Psalm 133, and the conversations that Jesus had in the gospel reading. So these are the verses from Romans 11. Um, It's verses 16 through 32, and this is from the message paraphrase, and I just want us to consider them together. Behind and underneath all of this, there is a holy, God-planted, God-tended root. If the primary root of the tree is holy, there's bound to be some holy fruit. Some of the tree's branches were pruned and you wild olive shoots were grafted in. Yet the fact that you are now fed by that rich and holy root gives you no cause to gloat over the pruned branches. Remember, you aren't feeding the root. The root is feeding you. It's certainly possible to say other branches were pruned so that I could be grafted in. Well and good, but they were pruned because they were deadwood, no longer connected by belief and commitment to the root. The only reason you're on the tree is because your graft took when you believed and because you're connected to that belief-nurturing root. So don't get cocky and strut your branch. 
Be humbly mindful of the root that keeps you lithe and green. If God didn't think twice about taking pruning shears to the natural branches, why would he hesitate over you? He wouldn't give it a second thought. Make sure you stay alert to these qualities of gentle kindness and ruthless severity that exist side by side in God. Ruthless with the deadwood, gentle with the grafted shoot. But don't presume on this gentleness. The moment you become deadwood, it's game over. And don't get to feeling superior to those pruned branches down on the ground. If they don't persist in remaining deadwood, they could very well get grafted back in. God can do that. He can perform miracle grafts. Why, if he could graft you, branches cut from a tree out in the wild, into an orchard tree, he certainly isn't going to have any trouble grafting branches back into the tree they grew from in the first place. Just be glad you're in the tree and hope for the best for the others. I want to lay all this out on the table as clearly as I can, friends. This is complicated. It would be easy to misinterpret what's going on and arrogantly assume that you're royalty and they're just rabble out on their ears for good. But that's not it at all. This hardness on the part of the insider Israel toward God is temporary. Its effect is to open things up to all the outsiders so that we end up with a full house. Before it's all over, there will be a complete Israel. As it is written, a champion will stride down from the mountain of Zion. He'll clean house in Jacob. And this is my commitment to my people, removal of their sins. From your point of view, as you hear and embrace the good news of the message, it looks like the Jews are God's enemies. But looked at it from the long-range perspective of God's overall purpose, they remain God's oldest friends. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, never rescinded. There was a time not so long ago when you were on the outs with God, but then the Jews slammed the door on him and things opened up for you. Now they are on the outs. But with the door held wide open for you, they have a way back in. In one way or another, God makes sure that we all experience what it means to be outside so that he can personally open the door and welcome us back in. Oh, these words of God for the people of God. Okay, see, each and every time that I've read this passage and read these passages in preparing something for today's podcast, something new popped out. I love this reminder that we're connected and that we're on this tree, and I love the imagery that's there for it. I love the words of unity and harmony, depending on what translation you read from the Psalms. This is why I love Scripture so much. It's why I'm regularly encouraged and convicted by the time that I devote to reading and studying. Y'all, there is just so much to discover, and we only crack the surfaces of our faith heritage and the hope that we profess. There's always so much more. I've been back and forth on things that I want to highlight, and this most recent one um, will continue to blow my mind for longer than a hot minute. So I'm going to throw it out there and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us all in what it means for us. See, there's something about remembering and recognizing our connections. As I read scripture, some words and phrases jump out at me and cause me to pay a little bit more attention. And one of those words is remnant. 
A while ago, I might have said I blamed this on Dr. David Thompson, who taught my Old Testament inductive Bible study class in seminary, but today I give him credit, and that credit is filled with thanksgiving. You know, we never quite realize the depth of all our eyes are being opened to when we're actually in the moment of having our eyes opened a little wider. A few days ago, I sat down to write out my thoughts for this podcast, and I decided to read these passages one more time. The Bible that was closest to me was NIV, and I hadn't read it there yet, so I went for it. And there in the middle of the Genesis passage, I read, this is Joseph talking, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. It was verse 7. So the first thing I see is this word remnant. Then I realize it's in verse 7. Then I realize that's in the middle of these 15 verses, so I'm paying extra attention as I finish reading the passage. I went through the others, Psalms, Isaiah, Matthew, and then I got to Romans, and there in the first verse, I realized something that I hadn't caught before. Paul opens this chapter that happened to have the title, in that particular Bible I was reading, it was called The Remnant of Israel, with I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. Paul was from the line of Benjamin. I've never caught that before. So besides the reality now that I want to do an in-depth study on who the disciples and apostles are connected to, Here's what's really making my heart beat a little faster and making my eyes open a little wider. The only word, well, the main word that was different among the different translations and paraphrases I was reading in was that word remnant. I had read these verses that it would have made this connection for me between Benjamin and Paul being from the line of Benjamin many times before. But because that word caught my attention, the Holy Spirit, through the power of Scripture that is for sure living and active, has sparked a new flame. And it's reminded me yet again of the depth of this grand and beautiful story that we're part of. I wouldn't have seen this word included in the reading for this week if I had just stuck with the initial thoughts after my first reading through it. Now, it wouldn't have changed that they spoke to me. Because they did, and there's a lot brewing with that and the imagery of the tree and who's included and who's not and why we're included. They spoke to me. I had thoughts and insights. It was when I read it in a different translation that a word jumped out, gave me pause, and that then allowed me to recognize another thread connecting these passages. We are not disconnected from this remnant. We're part of it because we are grafted into this holy, God-planted tender root. And we keep growing in the midst of it. Let's pray. Gracious and always present God, thank you for the ways you speak to us. And open our eyes to your hand at work in the world and our opportunity to be a part of it. Help us to bear fruit and shine your light into the lives of those we encounter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.